Hello and welcome to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Thanks for joining us. We're going to talk about grain bin management on our show today. Uh, and we'll also be taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. All right, so Brian and Darren Hefty here, and we are joined right now by Tony Wendler. Um, Tony has farm shop manufacturing, and we wanted to bring Tony in today just to, uh, to talk about overall grain bin management, and especially when we start talking temperature changes. So, for example, even on our farm here, just in the last few days, we've hauled some grain out because it started to get a little hot, and it doesn't have to be in the summertime. It can be really any time of year. How are you going to know that? And we wanted to talk to Tony just a little bit about this and uh, and for Farm Shop Manufacturing, your grain temp guard. So, Tony, can you kind of explain, give us a little background on it and and, and talk to us about monitoring that that uh, that temperature in the bin? Uh, the, the background, the grain temp guards, I was looking for a solution for my farm, something that was a little more cost effective. In terms of uh, monitoring the bin, our system is designed where we can have set points and we'll trigger an external alarm. It's an industrial siren and some flashing lights. Uh, When you talk about things that take place uh, this time of year, there are a handful of interesting things that are taking place. Uh, Going back a few years when I first started monitoring, I would see the the bottom sensors and bins start kicking up in uh, temperature after we'd see these breezy days with uh, high winds. And it took me a while. First, I thought we had hot spots going. And it took me a little while to realize what was really occurring is the, uh, the wind would blow the shutters open on the fans. The um, chimney effect of the top of the bin was sucking air right into that bin and heating up the lower layer. Now, you can have other conditions taking place. And I've actually observed this in one of my bins this week is the, uh, the south and the southwest side is uh, I'm having it heat up a little bit. The, uh, the sun cooking on that uh, outside skin of that bin is really generates a lot of heat and can bring some heat layers in. The, the remedy for all of this is look for some times when the temperature and humidity is in line with what you would uh, like to have. Get your fans turned on. Break up those convections. Break up those convections or uh, cool that lower layer back down and uh, get things back in line. I've got another interesting observation that I've I've made uh, this year more because I'm really trying to do things with my soybeans. Yep. And this year we have had in where I'm at, uh, where I'm at in uh, north central Iowa, we've had extreme low humidity. Yep. Now those same convections that we've uh, seen that are heating up the grain, I've actually noticed in my soybeans it's drying, drying my out. soybeans yeah. out. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you're not uh, monitoring that, it's not something that you normally would notice. Well, the other thing with soybeans, we've talked about this a lot the last couple of years. Like on our farm, we've had to harvest a lot of beans at 15 to 17% moisture just because the way the last two falls have been that I wanted to get the job done 
well, obviously we can't bring that. Well, we can bring it to town, but I don't want all that dock. So we'll throw it in the bin. Well, if you can control the bin fan, then we're in pretty good shape for a while. And, and you know, it only takes maybe three, four weeks, and now we can get that moisture down. Or the flip side is, unfortunately, a lot of guys harvest dry beans. I've seen lots of 8%, 9% beans in my lifetime. If you can get a little bit of moisture back in there through operating those fans, that's important. Now, I've tried to do it manually, and I'm, I can't. I'm terrible at it. But, I mean, if you have some, some type of system, that, that certainly can pay. Hey, Brian, we've got that uh, system, our end zone fan control. It uh, measures outside temperature and humidity. You set your set points. Yep. And I have used it to put moisture back in. So when I see these things drying down, not a big deal. When I get closer to moving them, uh, I'll just pump some water back into them, put some moisture back in. Uh, by the same token, I had one field I took out last fall that uh, came out upper 16s. It was yep. the tail end of a field yep. and just dumped it in the bin, and I'm, uh, I've got it down to just under 13 now. Yeah. And, you know, when you talk about that and harvesting those wet beans, part of why we wanted to harvest wet beans, too, we do a lot of seed beans. Well, I want to make sure the seed quality is good. If they get down to eight, even if we do put moisture back in, the seed quality is not going to be as good as if I would have harvested them a little bit wet. Plus, we got a lot to do in the fall. I just want to get it done. So if I can harvest at 15 to 17, I have that many more days, I'm that many more days ahead, and I, I gain on my time for the fall. And that sets me ahead, uh, you know, going into the next year. So anyway, think that's really important. In one of the things that I'd like to add, uh, in your uh, in your various shows that I've uh, listened to or watched on TV, you guys talk about the shatter loss. Yep. Uh, there was no shatter loss. Right. If, if there was a bean on the ground, it was something that uh, was coming out the back of the combine because the uh, sieves weren't set right. Right. Absolutely. You know, we, we talked to so many growers, Tony, that are they're talking about harvest last year and and things they're changing going into this year what are some of the things that you've noticed now you talked about some of the things you're seeing this summer with the windy days that we've had and and some of the heat that we've already had were there some things that you noticed in, at harvest time too that that growers should be thinking about because we've got so many growers saying man i've had issues with my bins over the last few years and they've been different issues one year to the next uh Yes, I will. I will say that normally when I look to uh, dry my corn, I natural air dry. Last fall, we did not have humidities that really were allowing for uh, the drying of that grain, and not a big deal. Just freeze it, and I'm going to deal with it uh, uh, next spring, early summer. Our normal humidities would be with conditions that are conducive to what I want for moisture. Uh, this year, and I've talked to some other guys down in Nebraska and that uh, who are using our products and uh, talked about how miserable this year has been for doing anything to regulate moisture in corn. The uh, humidities are so dry that it's taking the moisture off the bottom, pushing it to the top. So we're not drying the top and we're dealing with over drying the bottom and we can't fix it. And it's the opposite. Last year, I know, Brian, we were talking so, midsummer. We were so, so humid, as humid as, or actually more humid than Miami, Florida. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so if you're looking for more information on Tony and his company, Farm Shop Manufacturing, just go to farmshopmfg.com. Got a lot of great information there. And we'll be talking more here about grain bin management coming up right after this. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio. Sound the foghorn. Because there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Froghorn fungicide from UPL. 
Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So, get Froghorn and keep Frog Eye Leaf Spot quiet all season long. To learn more, talk to your retailer or UPL sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. Worried about glyphosate-resistant weeds and grasses in your corn? Unleash the power of new Impact-Z herbicide and get the early post-application advantage you've been waiting for. Save $3 per acre when you combine Impact-Z with a qualifying insecticide purchase. Go to buy2save3.com for details. Buy2save3 is a service mark and Impact-Z is a trademark owned by Amvac Chemical Corporation. All rights reserved. Impact-Z is a restricted-use pesticide. Always read and follow label instructions. Wherever you go, whatever you're doing, whenever you want. Farm your way with Case IH AFS Connect. Now you can farm, share data, and manage your fleet however, whenever, and wherever you want. Learn more at caseih.com slash farmyourway. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down and long-lasting residual powers making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Welcome back to Ag PhD Radio. Brian Hefty here along with my brother Darren. We are live in the Morton studio today talking a little about grain bin management. If you've got any questions for us or if there's anything you'd like to talk about that's going on in your farm, I'd love to take your phone call. The number here is 844-44-AG-PHD. That's 844-442-4743. You can email us radio at agphd.com and or you could send us a note on Twitter. Uh, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty, or Darren Hefty. So, in our first segment today, we were talking to Tony Wendler. He's with Farm Shop Manufacturing. Um, I, I guess just to kind of wrap that up, and we just want to thank Tony for actually being in studio. I think Darren, that's our first in studio guest we've had in Since the whole COVID three thing, months. Yes, yes. Uh, so that was nice, um, and we were able to social distance too. By the way, just so you know, so no worries there. But anyway, we, we talked a little bit about just managing the grain inside the bin by controlling fans. And like I had had mentioned, and I'll, I'll go back, this is probably 15 years ago, we, we were kind of forced into harvesting some wet beans. And I thought, well, this is easy. I mean, all you look at is temperature and humidity, and you can dry beans down just with air from 16 or 15, whatever we harvested at, down to 13. That should be no problem. I'll handle it. And, you know, I'm shutting fans on and off, and I just didn't do it right. I just didn't do it right. You have to have better monitoring than what I had back then, have better data, and be able to control some of these things. And you can do that now. So there are a lot of different systems out there. The one that Tony has and is at, if you go to farmshopmfg.com, you can look at the, the grain temp guard. Um, that's, that's really 
really a really nice feature. I, I would also say when you're there, Tony also has the Germinator closing wheel. So we've done a lot of work with that and been testing that here at Ag PhD as well. But anyway, our topic today is grain bin management. And this is so unbelievably important, especially right now, because we've been getting almost, well, we have been getting record high temperatures right now. Coming off of last year, we had poor grain quality in a lot of cases. So you add poor grain quality, needing to store the grain longer because of poor prices. Then you throw in this adverse weather issue, and we're super concerned not only about spoilage in that bin, but also about how about cleaning out the bin and just grain bin safety. So I don't know if we'll have a lot of time to talk about grain bin safety today, but to me, that should always be number one. And that's part of the big reason why you want to keep that grain in good condition is just so you personally are that much safer pulling that grain out of the bin. So what our dad always talked to us about is use the buddy system. If you're going in a bin, there better darn well be somebody right outside the bin and monitoring you that whole time because we don't want accidents. I mean, you got to be safe when you're on the farm. All right, let's head up to North Dakota. Brian was mentioning some of the challenges with, with grain quality. Certainly across the country this last year, North Dakota has had their challenges with weather, especially during harvest in the late season last year and also this spring. Got Thad on with us right now up in North Dakota. How are you doing, Thad? Good. So we're talking about grain bin management, and Brian mentioned some of the poor quality grain. I know there was a lot of light test weight corn. Did you catch that in your area too? Did you have any other concerns about any any crops that you were harvesting last year in terms of grain quality? Well, last year we made the decision not to put any corn in just because of how late we were going to be able to put it in because of the uh, uh, field conditions were so wet. And so we adopted not to, which I think was probably one of the best decisions we made this year, because um, we didn't have to deal with the the corn not maturing out like ninety uh, percent of the guys around here uh, did have problems. And in fact, uh, yesterday driving to my son's baseball game, I watched a combine sit, sunk down into uh, where his front tires were completely out of the ground, off the ground. Wow! So. Um, it, it, it hasn't dried out any, any better than it was last fall. Um, so yeah, we're, we, we have a lot of bad conditions up here this year. Um, last year when we harvested, we were harvesting in the snow, uh, our soybeans and we were taking them and they had, didn't mature out either. And we were harvesting them at 19%. Wow. Wow. And we put, and we put them in. We put them in the bin because we couldn't. Nobody was taking them at the time. So, what and do you do with that? I guess what's your process? Uh, obviously, you're probably running some air there. Are you running heat as well? Yeah, we have. Uh, we just have uh, uh, in our four bins that we have. They're twenty thousand bushel bins. They just have a, a heat grid right in front of the fan. So we turn the heat on when we're running the fans. Doesn't matter if it's you know. 60 degrees out or, or, or 90 degrees out, we have the heat running just to dry the air out as it's going into the bin. Okay. So, and this is the first year that we used uh, Tony's uh, monitors, and this is the first year in the last three years that we didn't have a spoilage problem. Wow. So uh, we've had uh, spoilage problems the last the two years prior to this, 
where we weren't able to see what was going on in the bin. You know, you know that's fantastic. When you look at probably the toughest year that we've had for a long time, and to make it out of there without spoilage problems, even when you had to harvest grain in tough, tough conditions, that that's impressive. I've got a friend that farms uh, in the extreme south, and he said they're always fighting heat. You mentioned you're harvesting yep. in the snow, and the beans were wet too. I can't think of many more factors we could stack against you, so that sounds <laughs> like it turned out better than expected. I'll throw the white mold in there, too, because we had that. <laughs> See, now you're speaking Brian's language on that, too. But, yeah, there were a lot of challenges. How about on the small grains side? Did you have small grains this past year? No, we just we just put in soybeans last year. We did not have any uh, uh, small grains. Yeah, I know one of the so, things that we always talk about, especially with North Dakota, is there are so many different crops being raised, and that, that makes it a little bit of a challenge where having some additional controls to, to monitor those bins is really valuable. Yeah, but I do know that other guys, uh, I worked at a, a local deer dealership for 15 years, and so I, I talked to a lot of the guys around here, and uh, being that they were my customers and whatnot, and the guys that did have small grains, their test weights were really bad. Uh, they were really low. Uh, there was a lot of fields that didn't even get harvested on the small grain side because they were too wet to to, to get off and by the time that the field dried out enough the grain was shot so yeah we didn't have much of a small grain harvest up here you know to speak of now you so, mentioned the conditions were still really wet even now in mid-june what what were you able to get in this year what percentage of the acres in in your home county got planted we got about 50 percent of our crop in uh, that we normally put in um, we put in about 3,000 to 3,200 normally. And we got, I just looked at the maps yesterday and we got 1,600 done. So that's out of, um, the, me, my, myself and, uh, my two brother-in-laws. So. And, and this year, what did you put in for crop? What kind of crop did you get in this year? Uh, we just put soybeans in again this year because the, cr- the the field conditions were so crappy to put to to put any wheat or any corn in early, and so we just went back with what we know doesn't hurt us in the long run. Um, nope, so, I I certainly I don't see that. Yeah, it's. Oh, what a challenge! I, I think a lot of we're getting a lot of questions about what's happening in North Dakota from from farmers everywhere, just saying what are the guys doing? And I know we've got struggles up up into Canada as well. That man, it's it's a challenge. I'm I'm glad you at least got half the acres in to to at least have some crop to manage. What are you doing on the on the other half? Just curious. You only got about thirty seconds here. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go and. Uh... As soon as it dries out enough, we're going to take our Landall across Landall high-speed disc across it. We're going to chop up the weeds that we got. We're also going to throw on some uh, 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 oh, uh, cover crop, and then we're going to take our drag across it and, and cover it up. And hopefully, in the in the fall, we can spray it off. So. Yeah, that's I, I like that plan. I like that you're going to at least get something growing out there. I think that'll really help you out for, for 2021. Uh, hey, Thad, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you on. Thanks for, for uh, sharing a little bit about what's happening on your farm, and good luck here the rest of the season. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. 
When it comes to my weed control, I know a head start can go a long way. That's why I spray early, so I can keep control all season long with a Roundup Ready Extend Crop System, the system that makes the difference. This is my field. Choose the Roundup Ready Extend Crop System for control of more weeds than any other soybean system. Featuring Extendamax herbicide with vapor grip technology to manage tough-to-control weeds, including up to 14 days of soil activity, along with the field-proven performance of Roundup Ready to Extend soybeans. Now you have the right tools to extend your weed control and extend your yield with the system that makes the difference. Learn how you can put the system to work in your field when you visit RoundupReadyExtend.com. Extendamax is a restricted-use pesticide. Performance may vary. Always read and follow grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Check local regulations for specific requirements in your state. Sound the foghorn. Because there's a better way to control frog eye leaf spot in your soybean fields. Froghorn fungicide from UPL. Froghorn not only has a unique name, it has two modes of action that deliver excellent disease control. With Froghorn, you get healthier soybeans and better yields at harvest time, and you won't be subject to strobe resistance. So, get Froghorn and keep frog eye leaf spot quiet all season long. To learn more, talk to your retailer or UPL sales representative. Always read and follow label directions. You're all set with the 4x4 turbo diesel truck. How about some options? Spray and bed liner? Absolutely. Tailgate step and nerf bars? Gotta have them. Tie down hooks and stainless steel toolbox? You know it. Tinted windows? Of course. Options are good. That's as true in the field as it is with your pickup. In addition to taking care of tough weeds, new Open Sky Herbicide gives you more rotational choices than ever before and an easy-to-handle formulation. <laughs> Gooseneck toe package? Yep. Discover more Open Sky details at openskyherbicide.com. Heat, drought, wind, hail, northern corn leaf blight, gray leaf spot. If your corn is under stress, you are too. Get Veltima fungicide, swift activity, with fast payback, an expanded application window. <sighs> Makes life simple, and it's the secure choice. With powerful residual for visibly healthier corn. Swift, simple, secure. Veltima fungicide. Call your BASF rep today. Always read and follow label directions. Veltima fungicide is not registered in all states. When it comes to commanding herbicide formulations, you know New Farm. New Farm brings you Panther SC, an animal when it comes to speed of control and long residual on a broad spectrum of tough broadleaf weeds like mare's tail, palmer amaranth, and water hemp. And did we mention convenience? Panther SC works in pre-plant, pre-emerge, and post-harvest systems and keeps your rotation options open. New Farm and Panther SC, here to help. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio today. Our topic, grain bin management. And man, is this important this year. We've already talked to a number of farmers over the previous few months here talking about issues in the bin. We had a lot of challenges with 2019. Harvest wasn't easy either in a lot of areas. We really encourage, if you haven't checked your bins very recently, get out and take a look again. Uh, let's head over to Iowa. I've got Roger with us right now. Roger, how are you today? Good, good. You know, it stinks when grain prices are down because that means we got to hold on to grain longer and be worried about it. Uh, how about on your farm? you got bins that are full, and, and what are you seeing in the bins so far? Well, they're they're full because 
the ethanol has slowed way down to just about nothing. So your places to get rid of the corn are a lot less. And what we've seen in the bins by keeping it is the temperature changes in the spring and the humidity. And naturally, you're going to have some red flags. And that's kind of where it's at. Do you have a program on your farm? Is there, are you using electronics? Are you checking the bins physically each week? How, how do you do things? I've got the, uh, the farm shop uh, grain monitor on the bins, each bin, and the probes up there, they keep track of the humidity and the temperature. And once a week, I religiously go around and record it all on a piece of paper. Then I keep pictures of it in a file to know if the grain is changing or whatever. And it'll tell you right away when you start to see the temperature go up or the humidity change that it's time to run the fans. You know, that's a great point. We we talk a lot about in your fields to be out there once a week and and just scouting, looking at what's going on in the field. It makes sense with the bins too. My dad always told us this when we were kids and we were storing corn that we were using for feed. And so he's really concerned about the quality of that just from the standpoint that it's going to go through our animals as well. But he always said, look, the best condition that grain's in is the day we put it in the bin. We got to watch it. We got to be careful. We can't have any spoilage out here. And now we've got control systems like this that we can make the grain potentially even better in some cases, but we sure, we sure don't want to see it go the other way. No, it's just a mess when it crashes on you. And, and that a lot of times it's just because it hasn't been checked. And, you know, we've been doing this for 40 years. And it, as you get older, it's harder to climb the bins. And with this system here, you just stand on the ground and and read what's going on. And you don't have to climb the bin. You don't have to worry about frost and ice and rain or anything else. You just look at the monitor. It tells you what's going on. You know what you got to do. Yeah, that is fantastic. Do you do you notice any differences then with corn and with soybeans? I'm assuming you maybe have some of each in the bins? Yeah, I've got some bins with beans also, but corn is usually the bigger problem. Uh, beans typically stay pretty stable, but it also depends on the moisture they were taken out at. You know, if you're 14 plus moisture, then you could easily have some issues there. Yeah, you're right about that. I mean, you think about it, a lot of times we're harvesting beans in the 10, 11, 12, 13 range to start with, where corn a lot of times is much wetter than that. So you're right, there is inherently a little more risk on the corn side. Did you have any issues at harvest time? Was there anything you were especially concerned about going in the bins this year? Uh, just the variability in the field. You know, it, we had just a crazy year last year. And, you know, you had some replant, some that germinated better than others. And the moisture going through the field would easily vary, you know, three, four points going across the field is what we saw. Wow. Yeah, you're not alone on that one. It was it was definitely like that. How, how about conditions this year out in the field? Do, do fields look pretty good? And even in your area, there have been some replants there too. Uh, there's been a few replants, but nothing like last year. Nothing at all. It, it was just about ideal spring conditions. And then we had a couple three- to five-inch rains. But uh, the tile have been doing their job, so, you know, it's, it's very small areas that have been replanted. Yep, that's good. That's good. Yeah, we don't want another 2019, not like what you guys faced in, in your part of Iowa. Uh, we're talking with Roger right now uh, over in Iowa. And, Roger, thank you so much. Really appreciate you sharing a little about what's going on and, and how you're managing those grain bins. Good luck here the rest of the growing season. Yep, thank you. Let's head over to Nebraska. We've got Gilbert with us right now. Gilbert, thanks for joining us. 
Okay, how are we doing? Well, good. Now, I hope I'm not making you nervous here because we wanted to talk to you about grain bin management. And I know as soon as we say that, a lot of guys are like, oh, no, is there a problem out there or something going on? But I'm assuming you've been keeping an eye on them this year, too. Yes, we have. Uh, it seems like we've got a few bins that are kind of showing more moisture than what we thought they would. So we're kind of hauling from different bins to keep track of it all. But otherwise, it's storing pretty decent. You know, that's a good point. I, I know this fall, we ended up with some bins that we kind of overfilled with the intention that, oh, yeah, we'll remember after harvest when we have a little more time to pull a load or two out of those. How, how do you handle it? Do you overfill bins and then just make sure you get a couple loads out just so you can get harvest done? Or, or how do things work on your farm? We usually pick the bins pretty well. And then as you know, time allows the next 30, 40 days, we'll go out and take out the core and the peak. And then, of course, take a moisture check, you know, and see what, what the moisture is at so we kind of know where each bin is at at the time. What does grain quality look like? You said you've been pulling out of some of the bins already. Is it is it looking good? Is it holding well? Uh, yeah, it's holding well. Our test weights were, you know, pretty decent, and uh, some of them are excellent. And then, as, but like I said, we have a few bins that were wetter than what we thought they were when we put the grain in. So we're kind of battling with that a little bit, but as a whole, uh, you know, it's, it's coming out nice. We we check our bins every two weeks, you know, and run the fans for three to four minutes so we can kind of get, uh, see what the odor is and, uh, and uh, what I should say, the temperature of the bin. Uh, we have some bins with the green temp guards on, so we are a little lax maybe a bit running those fans as often. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about just checking and, and making sure everything smells good, looks good, pulling a few loads out here and there. Those are all good practices. Uh, Brian had mentioned as we started the, the segment off here today, he said, you know, we, we probably aren't going to spend enough time on safety, but that is obviously the number one concern. Do you, do you have a strategy? I know you mentioned you have some bin controls, so it's not like you have to go climb in every one of these bins, but... Uh, is there is there a two-person process that you do, or have you just used these to, to get it down to one? Uh, no, it's, it, well, it's usually one person checking them at the time, yes. But uh, like I said, we have ladders on some bins and stairs on others, so it is, you know, there is a safety concern. And so it is nice just to be able to walk up to the bin at eye level and see what's going on, at the temperature and the humidity that's in it. Yeah. Uh, Keeps you from climbing the ladders and the stairs. You bet. You bet. So uh, looking at this year, Gilbert, how does the crop look in your area? We are looking pretty good. A lot of it was planted, you know, by the 10th of May, corn and beans both. And we were a little lax on uh, subsoil moisture is good, but we're getting a little dry on top. And then we did have some rains come through. And now, of course, with this heat, why it has really taking its toll, the corn kind of curls in the daytime and it kind of coops itself at night. But we're, we're hoping for a good rain tonight. We've got a good chance for it. You bet. Uh, we're talking to Gilbert down in Nebraska. Gilbert, thank you so much. Really appreciate having you share a little bit about what's going on in your farm. Hope you get that rain tonight and good luck here the rest of the season. Same to you. Yeah, we kind of lucked out. We've gotten 1.1 inches so far today. And I was just telling some people we 
could have handled three inches real easy. We've already had seven days above 90 degrees this year. Last year, we had a grand total of four. We've had seven days so far in June above 90. So we'll see what the summer ends up bringing, but so far, most of the crop looks pretty good. We like early heat up this far north in the United States. All right, so just kind of wrapping things up on grain bin management. I, I, I'm, I said it earlier, but we really, really want you to stress safety to everybody in your farm operation. And that's part of the big reason why you need to keep grain quality great year round. So we talked about uh, fan controls, uh, just hopefully doing a good job harvesting and everything, keeping the fines and all that kind of thing to a minimum, spreading those around the bin. Uh, there are a lot of things you can do to improve that grain bin management. We just encourage you to continue working on that as time goes on. Well, we're going to get to your questions in the Ag PhD mailbag next. Each year brings new and unique challenges to farming, and your operation needs to constantly adapt to meet them. That's why at AgBiome, we're working every day to bring you new and better solutions, microbial-based solutions that protect your crop and help it reach its full potential. To learn more about how we're doing it, visit agbiome.com. That's A-G-B-I-O-M-E.com. AgBiome, feeding the world responsibly, partnering with microbes for human benefit. Find your full potential and increase your bottom line with branded generic fungicides from Atticus LLC. Fungal diseases can be devastating, but Acadia, Slant, and Talaris 4.5F from Atticus deliver lasting, broad-spectrum fungi control so your soybeans, sugar beets, and dry beans can thrive. Growers across the region count on Atticus for relevant and reliable products that deliver results every time. Ask your local retailer about Atticus products and visit AtticusLLC.com to learn more. For value-based solutions you can trust, turn to Atticus. Always read and follow label instructions. Pentair Hypro 3D nozzles are your premier choice for fungicide applications. Syngenta fungicide application field trials have shown Hypro 3D nozzles provide a yield advantage of up to 10% over other nozzles, maximizing the return on your fungicide investment. Learn more at pentair.com hypro. How much money are you leaving in the bin? Get your grain in ideal condition with the Grain Temp Guard Monitoring System from Farm Shop MFG. And with deep preseason discounts on all Grain Temp Guard units, now is the best time to upgrade. Order today at farmshopmfg.com. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation, how you make out for the season, or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop, and grow your legacy, all the way down to the last drop. Agroliquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You deserve to have a building that will last for generations. With more than 110 years of experience and thousands of satisfied customers, Morton Buildings is the industry leader you can trust. Unlike other construction companies, you work with Morton Buildings Craftsmen. From conception to completion, there's no better time to buy. Lock in your new building for 2020 today. Contact your local Morton sales office or visit mortonbuildings.com. If you're looking to get the most out of your foliar nutrition and fungicide programs, ask your ag retailer about Nutex EDA from Sipcam Agro. Nutex EDA has been proven to increase foliar micronutrient tissue levels and maintain those levels for an extended period of time. When tank mixed with fungicides, Nutex EDA helps support plant health, resulting in higher quality and yields. 
Nutex EDA is an affordable and effective solution that should be part of every grower's high-yield toolbox. Hey everybody, come on in. The Ag PhD Mailbag is about to begin. Welcome back. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton studio. It is time for the Ag PhD mailbag. That means we're taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the rest of the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. If you want to email us, radio at agphd.com is a place to do that. Got a few pictures in uh, from somebody today. We're going to maybe talk about those here in a little bit. Also, you can find us on Twitter, Ag PhD Media, Brian Hefty or Darren Hefty. Got two questions about ditches here, Brian. First one comes from Jace, and Jace is in Indiana and says, I'm curious what your best recommendations would be in way of herbicides for maintaining side ditches and roadsides, spraying around culverts, standpipes, telephone poles, and field edges, looking for something safe, effective, and lasting. Hey, those are three great things, Jace. I agree. I like that too. Safe, effective, and lasting. Well, the lasting gets to be questionable. And here's what I here's why I want to talk about this. So Darren said, hey, I'm going to ask this question coming out of the break. This is during the break. And I go, just say it because we need to talk about this a little bit. It's not as simple as Hivar. That was the product Darren brought up. He goes, yep, he's probably asking about Hivar or, you know, Pramitol, one of those ground sterilants. And I get that because people want the long lasting. But the problem with that, because believe me, I've we have used plenty of that around our place and all over for years. The problem with it is twofold. Number one, erosion. Number two, leaching. Let's start with the erosion. Okay, let's say that you kill the vegetation that's around poles, uh, culverts, things like that. If there's no vegetation there to hold the soil in place, what happens when you get a great big rain? Even what we had today, um, just over an inch of rain during the day today, you're going to have washouts starting there. Well, as this happens more and more and more, pretty soon you got fix-up work. And there's, if there's one thing I hate, it's having to do jobs that don't pay me any money. So on the farm, we got all these jobs that are important and Many people don't do those jobs that could make crazy amounts of money, like doing your own spraying, your own tiling, your own field scouting. I mean, all these things you could do yourself because we're so busy fixing up all these messes. So, I mean, it's like waterways. I I understand the purpose of waterways. I'm not saying we don't want waterways, but I hate all the work. It's just work because um, things wash out. And anyway, here's where I'm going with this. You can use Hivar or Pramatol, and that that is an option for you. But I'm worried about the erosion. The leaching, where I'm going with that, is we have a lot of hills where we farm and around our farm place and everything. We've sprayed Hivar or Pramatol or whatever right next to the buildings, and, oh, great, we don't have to do any trimming or mowing there. Well, number one, erosion. Number two, a little bit of that stuff leaches down the soil, then washes down the hill. Or it's leaching underground below the hill, and then you get these streaks out in your grass there. So bad followed by bad. So I'm just not real big on that. 
I'd rather just kill the broadleaf weeds and leave the grass in ditches and around culverts and poles and things like that. So usually people talk about 2,4-D. Now, Corteva had the best product that's been developed in the last 20 years called Freelix. Uh, or you could basically get Enlist 1 for Enlist Crops. Now, the Enlist 1 has another drift retardant in it, but basically Freelex is Enlist 1 without that drift retardant. And then they pulled Freelex from the market for us, and I'm going, what? Corteva, please help me. Please work with me. This is the you're, you got the best product we've seen in 20 years. Why are you pulling it? And they go, well, because we had some people spraying it off-label in the Enlist Crops. I'm like, well, come up with a different solution. Do something. We need that product. So I would encourage you, if you're listening to the show today, talk to somebody in Corteva, anybody, literally anybody in Corteva, send them a letter, send their head people letters, and say, hey, we need Freelex back on the market. Please, please, please. Because Freelex doesn't drift or volatilize like old 2,4-D does. So if you spray early in the spring, late in the fall, it's no real big deal with the 2,4-D. It's going to move all over the country. But who cares? There's nothing else growing. If you're spraying in the middle of summer, like right now, that's a big deal. Now, also, as I say, who cares about drift and volatility? Please understand that's not what I mean, okay? I'm just saying it's not as big an issue then if there's a slight amount of off-target movement as it is at this time of year. We always care about drift. We always care about volatility, okay? So just so I'm clear, I'm joking around, all right? But we want Freelex. That would be the product to use. So if you can find some, you can get your hands on that. Use the new 2,4-D called Freelex. All right. Thanks for the question, Jace. Uh, again, another one about ditches. And this one comes from Red, who says, I like to watch your show because you give me a lot of useful information and specific details to make informed decisions. However, I was disappointed in a recent recommendation to spray insecticide in ditches because the ditches harbor many beneficials and maybe the only source of ecosystem diversity of blooming plants are present. And secondly, there could potentially be runoff carrying pesticides straight to water sources. Uh, this is, oh, I'm sorry, this is from Ron. Okay, so in terms of runoff with insecticide, no. I, the odds that that's going to happen are slim to none. So I'm not worried about that at all. you got all kinds of foliage out there, and we're not saying always spray insecticide. What we're saying is if you're finding harmful insects in your ditch, kill them there before you have to go spray your whole field. I'd way rather spray three acres than 300 acres. And so many good, times... A good example would be grasshoppers. Yes. Many times that can save We you. see a ditch that's just overloaded with grasshoppers. We know where they're going. Once they eat that grass, they're coming that's out right. into the field. Yep. That's what we're talking about. So yep. if we... Army worms, stock borers. I mean, there are all kinds of bugs that we could list that are that way. And we're, yeah, we don't, we're not saying always spray insecticide. We want the beneficials to be there. But if the uh, beneficials can't keep up, then we have to pull the trigger. I mean, that's that's just our job as farmers. Sometimes you have to do those things. And don't get too worried. Out of the hundreds of millions of acres in the United States, there are only a handful of ditch acres that get sprayed with insecticide. We're good. All right. Thanks for the question. We really, or thanks for the comment. We really appreciate that round, that round. And thank you for watching the show. We do appreciate that as well. Uh, okay, got this one from Mitch, and he said, I'm in North Carolina, and I've heard you talk about units of fertilizer and nitrogen, and was wondering, I got a few questions for you. First of all, wondering if one unit equals one pound of the actual nutrient. Yes. 
Normally, that's what we're saying, yes. And he said, so far, I have spread and plowed under cow manure. I put on 370 pounds to the acre of a 1919-19 blend. And now okay. the corn is almost knee-high, and I went in last week and put 300 to 400 pounds per acre of nitrogen on with stabilizer. Now, I what don't know what type of nitrogen. Of nitrogen. That Let's, would be a good question. Right. Maybe um, urea? He said the yeah. sample showed that he needed 120 to 160 units. And he would like to have some good corn this year. Just wondering what you think about that. So let's say that it was urea, and that's a 4600. So that means 46% of that is going to be nitrogen. So if you put on 300 pounds of urea. Times 0.46 is 138 pounds. So you'd be right in the wheelhouse there. Okay. And to begin with, the 370 times 19%, you got 70 pounds of nitrogen. So you add those two together, you've got 208 pounds, so 208 in total that you put on. There was probably some carryover. I don't know what that is. Don't assume that, oh, I had beans there, so it's 30 units or 40 units. Could be 10, could be 100. We don't know. You'd have to test. And there's also the fact that you've got organic matter that's releasing nitrogen in your soil. So we don't have the information from him on how much organic matter he has, but we usually figure on our farm, roughly 20 pounds of nitrogen will come available for each 1% of organic matter. So some of our ground is 5% organic matter. 5 times 20 is 100 pounds. So we're going to get 100 pounds out of that organic matter throughout the season. So if let's just say we had 20 pounds of carryover from last year, we put on 70 early, we put on 138 later, that gets me up to 228. I got 100 pounds coming in my um, organic matter mineralization. That would be 328 if it was our farm. Now, again, it's your farm and yep, you just put on with 300 units or sorry, 300 pounds of we're guessing urea, we don't know, but just take your 300 pounds times whatever percent active nitrogen that was. If it's urea, it's 46%. That's 138 units of nitrogen or 138 pounds of nitrogen. Same thing when we're talking unit and pound. Thanks for the questions. Really appreciate that, Mitch. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of your Ag PhD mailbag questions after this. Want to cut production costs without losing yield? Brian Ryberg from Buffalo Lake, Minnesota has done just that. Here's his story. We began using a soil warrior in our farm the fall of 2014. We've seen many benefits from better water infiltration, a lot less hours on equipment, fuel, able to reduce our fertilizer side, so it's really simplified our operation. See what makes Soil Warrior different and better at SoilWarrior.com. Oh my goodness, did you see Bob's gorgeous soybean rows? Um, totally. I couldn't believe how clean, weed-free his entire field looked. I'm like, so jealous. I heard he started using this new post-applied residual herbicide called Perpetuo, and it's burned down in long-lasting residual powers, making his soybeans like literally the talk of the town. Ah, so Perpetuo's his secret. Yep. Talk to your retailer or visit valent.com slash Perpetuo to learn more. Always read and follow label instructions. Hey, Adam. New drone? Not just any drone. I mounted a laser on it to take out weeds. Look out for that tree. In the power lines! Oh, it's in for the house. 
There's a simpler way to protect spring wheat from weeds. Perfect Match Herbicide. The broadest spectrum weed and grass control in one product. Learn more at perfectmatchherbicide.com. Always read and follow label directions. The Laser. Success isn't just about maintaining your operation. How you make out for the season. Or how much you can get from each acre. It's about doing precisely what needs to be done to feed your crop and grow your legacy. All the way down to the last drop. AgroLiquid Precision Crop Nutrition. Apply less, expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. You need a powerful herbicide to fight the war on weeds. Bellum is Rotam North America's mesotrion herbicide, and it fights against the annual broadleaf weeds attacking your cornfields. Winning this battle means higher yields, lower cost to you, and maximized profitability. For long-lasting residual weed control, check out Evinco, Vilify, and our newest mix, Rixa. For application, flexibility, and season-long control, that's Evinco, Vilify, and Rixa, powered by Bellum. For more information, visit bellumherbicide.com. That's B-E-L-L-U-M herbicide.com. Stop losing money from your stored grain with the Enzone fan control system from FarmShop MFG. Hot spots and moisture in your bin can cost you thousands in lost revenue. The Enzone monitors outside conditions to run your fans exactly when you want them to, naturally bringing your grain to ideal temperature and humidity. Master bin management with the Enzone. For more information, visit farmshopmfg.com. Back, you're listening to Ag PhD Radio, broadcasting from the Morton Studio. Today, we're right in the middle of the Ag PhD mailbag time. If you have an agronomic question for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can give us a call at 844-44-AG-PHD or send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got one from David here. He said, could you please talk about spraying and the dust behind the machine and how that dust may or may not affect certain sprays? Okay, if there is dust that's going to interact with any of your spray, could that partially neutralize it? Absolutely. So we we occasionally will joke around about some people that like to spray really, really fast. Now, there are two issues with that. Number one, how's the boom doing? Is that staying consistently at the right height above the crop. Well, when the faster you go, the less chance there is. If it works for you, fine. But I'm just saying that might be a reason to slow down. But this dust thing is another big reason to slow down. There are many things that have been tried with this over the years. Some people have put a nozzle in front of their tires. Some people have put a bigger spray nozzle behind their tires to compensate for for this dust thing. Uh, we really haven't done anything different on our farm over the years. We are usually praying for the right amount of moisture so we don't have huge amounts of dust back there. And the other thing that I'll say is now that we've gone to a 120-foot spray boom, obviously you're not going to have as much dust per nozzle because your boom is so wide. But yes, um, that dust can cause problems with literally anything you spray. So hopefully... You don't have too much problem with that. Worst case scenario, you absolutely can slow down, and that, generally speaking, decreases the amount of dust. 
All right. Thanks for the question. Really appreciate that. Got one from Jonathan here. He said, I am in Australia and I'm really enjoying listening to both of you. Hey, Jonathan, thank you so much. Really appreciate you tuning in. And of course, if you have any agronomic questions, send us an email, radio at agphd.com. I got one from Samantha here and she is in New Zealand and she said, hi there. I really enjoy your episodes. They're extremely helpful as an agricultural science teacher. I'm just wondering if you have any episodes based on cultivation. Well, thanks, Samantha. Really appreciate that. Glad to, glad to hear our information is useful for you there. Love, love, love New Zealand. I got a chance to visit there for the first time about a year ago and got to uh, check out some farms down there, talk with some farmers. Pretty neat, some of the things that you're working on. It's really, really impressive. Um, in terms of cultivation, getting to be less and less of that done here, if you're talking about in between rows of crop, if it's about tillage, we've got a lot of episodes about various types of tillage. But in terms of uh, running a cultivator in between rows of crop in the the major crops like corn and soybeans and um Cotton, not as much of that done. A lot of it's done with herbicides or uh, a lot of guys going no-till or reduced till over the last few years. So that's been uh, been a big change up here. So I don't know, Brian, have we done any episodes around cultivation? I don't know that we have. Well, we, our television show has been on for over 22 years. Odds are pretty good. We've talked about cultivation at some point. I wonder how many shows that is. We've done a brand new show every week for 52 years. So, or 52, 52. years. 22 wow, years. You may be 52. 52 I'm not shows. quite that old yet, Brian. 50, 52 shows per year. So we may have talked about that. If we have, yeah, I don't remember exactly. I, I will say this. With cult, cultivating in crops, what we used to always worry about was a couple of things. Number one was for us was the moisture loss. We're in a dry area of the United States and we felt like we would lose an inch of rain. That's what we always talked about. It was we lose an inch of moisture by cultivating. The other concern we have is cutting off the roots. That's why we wanted to do it, you know, do the cultivation as early as possible in the season so we get it done. We would a lot of times put some more fertilizer on that way, which is a, it was a decent way to go couple of big advantages we saw when we we cultivated we would basically you're opening the ground up you release heat and moisture and your crop is going to have a little boost there uh, beyond that i would just say i was just talking to some people yesterday about shallow planted corn and i said hey if your corn's planted too shallow as soon as you can after you realized you planted it too shallow throw a little more dirt into the row, now it's like you planted the corn a little bit deeper so that sometimes can compensate for that all right, let's uh, head back to the phone lines here. We've got Dell with us up in Michigan. Dell, how are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. I have two quick questions about your grain bins. Okay. Uh, question number one is, uh, can you do the same with corn that you talk about with uh, beans? If yes. If they're higher moisture, can you bring them down? Yes. And second question is, how does it know the moisture in the bins is the fans running 24 7 how does it know what the moisture is so that you don't get into a problem thank you love your show yep you bet thanks, thanks Del. Del. appreciate it so yeah there are there are companies out there that have sensors uh, to be in the bin that's one of the ways that you can do it otherwise there are plenty of charts out there that literally just tell you hey if you're shooting for let's call it soybeans if you're shooting for 13 percent moisture soybeans you need this for humidity and this for temperature. And then it changes based on, so in other words, the temperature and the humidity change. I was just going to look up, I got a chart here. Uh, give me one second. Uh, I'll 
try to get that pulled up quick, but I was just going to go through a couple of quick numbers with you. I think this is actually going to be in our next Ag PhD Insider magazine because uh, I was just proofing the magazine this morning and uh, I, we had a nice chart in there. So hopefully I can get that pulled up quick. But anyway, the point is simply this. Um, yeah, having sensors in there, then then it, then it you're going to know what's actually in the bin. Certainly you can test some of the grain if you want to as you're pulling some out and you go, ooh, that's not good or whatever. But having the sensor in there is super nice. Uh, but like I say, if you just look at the charts and say, okay, what's the temperature? What's the humidity? Now I'm in pretty good shape. Okay, so here it is. Uh, let's see, soybean moisture. If let's say the relative humidity is 70%, well, then I need the temperature clear up to 90. If the relative humidity is, uh, let's say, 65%, then I you can have a pretty low temperature and uh, let's call it uh, 35, 40 degrees, and you're around 12.6, 12.8% moisture. So uh, that's that's kind of the point. You, you, there, this It varies depending on humidity and depending on temperature, and it's the same thing with corn. Okay, so here's the corn one. Let's say I was going for 15% moisture corn. 55% humidity and 35 degrees is... 15% moisture corn. And then, let's see, at 80% humidity, uh, you'd have to be clear up to 100 degrees, and then you'd be 15.4% moisture corn. But anyway, there are charts. You can just look up those charts. Corn, soybeans, whatever it is, it's basically the same concept. All right, uh, I think we got time for one last question. Let's go to uh, the phone lines again. we got Corey calling in from Missouri. Corey, how are you doing today? Hey, good. How are you doing, Brian? Great. What can we do for you? I was just wondering, uh, I do a lot of spraying for turf grass here in Missouri, and I okay. was wondering, uh, I heard that you just got that thing Freelex is off the market, which I'm pretty shocked because I, I do like that product. Uh, Love it. Early on in the season. Oh, and but and, let me correct uh, myself too. It's not fully off the market, but it's just not. A, um, it's it's restricted to only certain uses now, and they're only selling it to certain people. But anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Well, my, my question is: Do you have any residual products? I guess you could use for a turf grass management situation in um, for broadleaf uh, protection. Yeah, um, one that we've been talking about quite a bit has been tenacity. That's basically generic Callisto. Okay, so tenacity. And that's and the HPPD chemical family has a lot of good activity on broadleaf weeds, has some pretty good residuals. So that's probably the number one product that we now talk to people about in turf grass. Okay, awesome. Well, right. Ron, I appreciate it, man. And, uh, like I said, thanks again. You bet. Yeah, thanks, Corey. So uh, I mentioned tenacity. There are a few other products out there. And, you know, the residual thing, that's the whole key. We've for years used pendimethalin. Uh, so that would be like prowl, for example, that you would use in soybeans. That actually has some activity on broadleaf weeds as well. We've used drive. That would be similar to paramount, which is now facet for sorghum production. That has some activity. So I, I still, I really like that tenacity. I mean, that HPPD. But again, you could go with drive. You could go with uh, a number of other products, pendimethalin especially, pendimethalin, especially early in the year. But there are a few of them out there that are pretty good and really not too expensive either. Yeah, the HPPD, the uh, 
human toxicity ratings are very good. It's it's the newest chemistry that's out, which still doesn't make it super new, but it's something that chances are your lawn or turf grass hasn't seen that chemistry before, which is a good thing in terms of resistance management as well. Thanks for all the questions today. We really appreciate that. Really enjoyed having Tony Wendler in studio with us with Green Bin or, or Farm Shop MFG, sorry, in, in the Green Bin Management time when we were talking about that today too. Thanks for listening to our program. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.